G'day and welcome back to the Create Thrive Podcast. Jess here with another episode. Awesome interview for you this week with Dana Midkiff, seven-figure Amazon handmade seller, which I was I was so excited to talk to her because when Amazon Handmade launched, I was actually invited to be part of it and I just decided against it because I kind of knew what Amazon was like, or at least seemed to know what it was like. We didn't really have Amazon here then. We had the the book element of Amazon in Australia, but we didn't actually get the rest of Amazon for a long time, probably like maybe one or two years ago now. And, uh, but just, you know, kind of you pick it up from seeing what goes on online and I just got the feeling that it wouldn't be a great fit for me. And this episode was really interesting because it proved me right in some ways, but it uh, also sort of elucidated some of the ways that Amazon is incredibly useful if it's the right fit for you. You know, I see how we could have a lot of success on there if we were willing to put in the work of what's required for that platform. And that if you are willing to do that, you could too have great success. And Dana talks about how she's done that in this episode. So I'm really excited to bring that to you. But first, a few other little bits and pieces of information. Over on YouTube, I've just released a video this week that is all about how to take really good product photos with your phone. So I actually go over some tips of things to look at and how to use like the portrait mode and expert mode on your phone to improve your product photos. If you're still using the auto function on your phone to take your product photos, then you need to watch this video because that is not the best idea. There is There are ways that you can get much better photos from the beginning so that you end up with great photos before you even edit them. Speaking of editing, I've also just released a workshop in the Thrivers Circle, how to edit your product photos. So if you are a newbie or early in your journey, or there are still things that bug you and that you struggle with when it comes to editing your product photos, that workshop is for you. Some of the people uh, who attended were like, oh my God, I never thought about that before, how to fix this particular issue. So there are some tips in there that hopefully will definitely help you. Um, and you can get access to that right now. If you are a member, just head on over to the workshops page under resource library in the members only section of the Thriver Circle website. If you are not a member, you can join right now, anytime you like, uh, head on over to thrivercircle.com to do so. And you'll get access to that workshop straight away, as well as like 40 or so more video workshops, in-depth workshops about different elements of handmade business, as well as my year long course, your year to thrive, which is a sequential course. Every lesson builds upon the last, and it takes you through everything you need to learn in order to start and grow a successful handmade business. Uh, This show, as you know, does not run ads, so I am fully dependent on the support of you, uh, my members, the members of the Thriver Circle. So if you do want to support the show, that is the best way to do it. Uh, Head on over to thrivercircle.com and become a member, get access to all that information as well as our wonderful community, and you can chat to me and ask me questions over in our private forum any weekday. So I'd love to see you there. Okay. I think that's all I need to tell you about this week. I'll be back again, obviously, next week. No, not next week. I keep forgetting it's only fortnightly now, (laughs) this show. (laughs) I'll remember eventually that it's fortnightly. Um, Actually, let me just look at my calendar here. I feel like maybe I do need to tell you something else. Oh, yeah, I totally do. Okay, so I'm actually going to be away Uh, from Saturday the 12th of June to Saturday, well, let's just call it the next Monday, Monday the 21st of June, I'm going to be away on a lovely island in the Great Barrier Reef, which I'm super excited about, going snorkeling, swimming, and just having a relax mid-winter break. Of course, here in Queensland, winter is not that cold, although I did just buy myself a swimming wetsuit for the couple of uh, months of the year that it gets a bit cold to swim in the ocean. Still not very cold, honestly, but I can be a wuss, so I got myself a swimming wetsuit. Um, but anyway, I'm going to be away and completely offline during that time. I will not have access to the internet where I'm going to be. So uh, I'm just letting you know ahead of time in case you need to contact me about anything, or if you are one of the members of the Thriver Circle, I'll I'll uh, let you guys know in more detail, but I've got the lovely Amanda who's going to be taking care of things for me while I'm away. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be an awesome trip and uh, I'll be back straight afterwards, obviously, with more episodes. 
So shall we get to it? Let's get into this interview with Dana Midkiff. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. I'm here today with Dana Midkiff. Welcome to the show, Dana. Hi, thanks for having me. It's awesome to chat to you. I'm really excited to talk to you about all things Amazon Handmade today because I know it's something that a lot of my audience are interested in but are probably a little bit scared of. <laughs> so, yes, that's normal. <laughs> so hopefully we can dispel some of those fears today. You've done an absolutely phenomenal job with your business on Amazon. But before we get to that, let's rewind. Can you give us a bit of background into how you got into your, your business and uh, how it sort of it grew to the point you're at today? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2013, I had two little ones. Um, We were just trying to pay off some debt. Uh, So I started to kind of browse Pinterest and see if there were things that I could make and sell to try to kind of make ends meet. And with that kind of bit the entrepreneur bug that when I look back on my life, I've kind of always had it, but I didn't really realize I had it until this business kind of became what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that, the, the business grew um, I was able to get on Etsy, um, probably, I think I did that about six months in or so, um, and really grew that. So from 2013 until 2015, um, my main platform was Etsy at that point in 2015, I had a couple of employees who were working for me. Um, but we were all basically just working after 9 PM at night. I had Mm -hmm. a a job. I had a full-time job. I was actually a CPA. Uh, so I went to college, got my accounting degree. Um, paid all the money, took the really hard exam, uh, did everything uh, to kind of make that my career. And so I was doing that during the day. And then me and my employees at night were kind of running this after all of our kids went to bed. Uh, So that was kind of the platform that my business has always been built on was um, employing um, my friends and Mm -hmm. part-time people who could kind of help make ends meet. Uh, With that, um, I had a couple of employees in 2015 when Amazon Handmade opened. Um, They created this new category on Amazon that basically was intended and still does compete with Etsy. And so with that, it gave me the opportunity to get on a platform that I had been trying to figure out how to get on for a couple years. Mm. Um, But with the handmade category, it has a lot of um, nuances and ways that we don't really fit the Amazon mold. Um, And it gave me that ability to get onto a platform in a handmade capacity that was never really an option before. So in 2015, when that opened, I I was one of the first shops that actually had their stuff go live on day one. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has taken off to insanely um, large everything. Now at this point, it's kind of (laughs) bananas. I have, we've moved into a different house. I was in the basement of that house for three years that lasted for Um, it lasted for about two, we squeezed it out for another year until I figured out what I was going to do, moved into a 6,000 square foot warehouse, uh, that lasted for two years. And now I have just purchased an 18,000 square foot warehouse that I run this whole business out of day in and day out. It has given me the ability to quit my job in October of 2017, which was two years after I got on Amazon and it has taken me to a place that I never even dreamed about. So when people ask me, what does the next five years hold hold for you? Like, I literally don't have a clue because if you would have asked me five (laughs) years ago that this is where I would be, I never in my my wildest dreams would have imagined it. That's amazing. Now, what's the name of your handmade business? It is Pink Door Wreaths, W-R-E-A-T-H-S. I spell that because sometimes when people don't hang wreaths on their door to decorate Mm -hmm. they're like what is that that you just said so (laughs) i sell wreaths yes so how did you first of all how did you decide on wreaths and then how did you kind of did you make the decision to scale or did your business just take off and you had to scale so um i decided on my product more because it looked interesting as something that i thought i might be able to try to figure out how to make Mm -hmm. Um, as far as the scaling goes, I don't know that I like intentionally sat down to do it. I think it's more just in my bones. So Mm -hmm. I remember having conversations with people 
at my my nine to five job of, I, you know what, I think I kind of want to make a thing of this. Like, I like doing it. I think I want to like, see if I can get my sales go higher. I think I want to see if I can hire a couple people to help me out. You know, so it was more of an evolution of, well, no matter what I did, I wasn't happy or I saw bigger and better things constantly. So mm -hmm. it was more inside of me, I think, than an intent on day one to make it something this crazy. Right. And, and, and the point you're at now, how many employees do you have now? Uh, gosh, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> 18 probably they're all part-time and the model is still um the part-time employing my friends as much as possible co-workers uh people that they're recommending to other um to other friends mm -hmm. um it's still a very big model of mine of employing moms who want to come in after their other jobs or mm -hmm. people who only want to work 20 hours a week during the day so that they can still be with their kids after their kids get out of school. So mm -hmm. um, it's definitely uh, still something that I have stuck to. Uh, so when I say 18, it's probably the equivalent of less than that. But um, mm -hmm. that's a lot of, of heads and bodies and opinions and uh, a lot of women that come into play in this business. So <laughs> it's been interesting to say the least. Yeah. And your business has done amazingly well. What sort of numbers are we talking about? So when I got onto Amazon Handmade, I was already at a six-figure business on Etsy. And that's still a number that I maintain. I do still grow on there some, uh, but it has been nothing uh, close to the numbers that I've surpassed on Amazon. I'm now at multi-seven figures on Amazon Handmade, specifically in addition to six figures on Etsy. That's amazing. And do you would you say that the majority of your sales come through the platform itself absolutely yes so mm -hmm. i do have my own website that that that's part of our plan our long-term plan of sustainability for a business is to mm -hmm. create our own website so that you own the customers yeah. um, but amazon doesn't necessarily give you the ability to draw those customers into that so it's kind of a two-fold approach so yes any of my customers that come to me through Amazon are Amazon's customers. And so that's kind of where that traffic is coming from. So we have a, we have a multi uh, step approach to growth and trying to just keep all of your eggs out of one basket, basically. Mm -hmm. Very, very smart. Okay. So let's, uh, let's start diving into this whole Amazon thing. Cause I know people are probably going to be going, wow, that's amazing. You've managed to grow to that point. Can we start off by clarifying some of the most obvious differences from your perspective between Etsy and Amazon Handmade? Because a lot of yeah, people are more absolutely. familiar with Etsy. Yeah, so it's it's in its most basic form when you get accepted into the platform, it is you fulfilling the orders to your customers just like you do on Etsy, okay? Mm -hmm. So I wanna talk a little bit about the difference that I just mentioned there about the application though. Etsy is basically you just um, apply to be on there and there's no real um, type of filter or um, clarification that they need from you. Pretty much anyone can just sign up to sell on there. Mm -hmm. They do give restrictions for handmade, but we all know that that's not necessarily always followed to a T. Mm -hmm. Amazon handmade is something that in the application process, they are doing a lot to try to vet you actually as a handmade um, artist. And so with that, they ask questions such as the percentage of your item that's handmade, uh, they ask for kind of a statement as to how you make your, your items and what your process looks like. They ask for pictures that are kind of in your back-end production. So that could mean, I tell people all the time, like if that means you sitting on your couch crocheting that baby sock, that's what they want to see. Basically, mm -hmm. they're trying to prove that you're either not just a reseller who isn't making these items or that you're not just a Chinese factory who's trying to get in to a handmade category that isn't necessarily applicable for them. Mm -hmm. So it's it's got a lot of vetting that goes around it. But but when you get into it, um, it gives you the ability to sell on Amazon.com and your items show up there. But with that, you don't have to have the UPCs. Okay, so that's the biggest struggle that people have in trying to understand. Oh well, I, that's not that's not what my products are. Well, that's why they open this category is basically to be a direct competitor to Etsy. So mm -hmm. if you choose not to um, go other routes, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second about FBA, sending your items into warehouses, if you choose not to make that the first step in your business or ever a step in your business, it's simply you fulfilling the orders in the same fashion that you fulfill your Etsy orders. Mm -hmm. Now, 
There's a lot of customization that, in my opinion, is far superior to Etsy. One of my biggest struggles on Etsy based off the items that I sell is that we are limited to two variations. Amazon gives you up to 10. And so with that, mm -hmm. you have full control over, in most instances, the ability to get your customer to give you all the information that you need in order to fulfill that. So mm -hmm. it gives you a lot more control over basically having to not have messages back and forth with the customers a lot. People are amazed that when I do this volume that I'm doing, that I only get one to two messages a day. And that's so far opposite of even my own Etsy shop, as well as other six-figure, seven-figure Etsy shop sellers that I know. They are inundated with Etsy messages. They had Sometimes they're employing specific customer service people to run these Etsy messaging scenarios mm -hmm. because the customers are ingrained to message back and forth and, oh, well, I don't really know how to fill this out or I don't know where this goes or I just want to clarify that this is actually what happened. Amazon has it set up so clear to give you that ability to list those things with the different variations that I have very little messaging going back and forth. And so the orders come in without much hands-on needed from me beforehand. Mm -hmm. That's really good to hear. Okay, so are there any other uh, kind of really glaring differences between the platforms? So the other big thing that I would point out is the fact that I kind of touched on it earlier that Amazon owns the customers. Mm -hmm. So on Etsy, you have pretty free reign in reaching out to those customers, trying to further draw them into maybe your own website or your mailing list or um, coupon codes to bring them back in anything like that that's not really an option on amazon because mm -hmm. amazon is a platform that wants their sales to continue to run through their platform and so you can't really direct people when they purchase on amazon to turn around and go to your website to get a coupon to purchase their next item so it's it's a little more um understanding that those customers are amazon's customers and if you want to kind of grow your customer base through your email list or your own website, it's more just done through buying, being a brand that truly stands on its own, that the customers come to you and know you as a brand. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, there's a lot of the traffic has to basically just come on your own through social media or through Etsy. It's not something that you can pull those Amazon customers into your own uh, website. Mm -hmm. Now, I know for me, a huge part of being successful on Etsy is knowing how to w basically work with the SEO, so the search engine optimization on the platform. Are there big differences between how SEO works on Amazon and how it works on Etsy? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the SEO between any, any platform is going to vary just because the buyers shop differently. Mm -hmm. But the theory is the same. You have to know what your customers are searching for to find these items. You have to know your, your target people. Like if they are looking for a certain thing or they call your item a certain thing and you don't understand that that's what they're looking for, you're not going to have success on Etsy. You're not going to have success on Amazon. You're not going to have success on Google. Mm -hmm. But Amazon buyers tend to shop a little differently. The example I like to give people is that they go onto Etsy because they know that they want that pink and purple blanket with embroidery stitched on the corner. Okay, so they they have a full intent a lot of times when they go on the, onto Etsy with what they want in mind. Amazon buyers are more broad and they literally go on and type in, I need a gift for my 13 year old niece. And so <laughs> understanding and you can and you laugh at that because you realize that as an Amazon shopper, that's probably what you're doing. Mm. But a lot of people struggle in realizing that when you jump from an Etsy platform to an Amazon platform, that the SEO not only gets to play of what you've come up with for Etsy, but it also gets to play in a much bigger term, a much bigger pool mm. because buyers are not only shopping for a pink and purple blanket, but they're also shopping for basically anything that Amazon tells them that they're shopping for. And so the SEO um, has a lot more opportunity on that platform to get found for lots of different things. Right. Now, when somebody goes to Amazon to search for something, how do they know as a customer that they, they've ended up on Amazon Handmade or is it just they think they're just still on Amazon in general? Not usually. They mm -hmm. don't usually realize it. Um, what I tell my my 
people that I work with and try to coach through it is that you have to sell them on the fact that it's handmade. So mm. for some categories, there is definite um, competition from Chinese sellers. Okay. Yeah. So just by the nature of what you sell, whether you're selling it on Etsy or whether you're selling it on Amazon, you are more than likely in some instances going to have Chinese competitors. Your job on Etsy, on Amazon, on Google is to prove to your customers that your item is handmade. And you can do that with a lot of things. The main thing on every platform is always going to be your images. So mm. are they going to realize that they're necessarily in the handmade category? Probably not right away, but you can prove to them in your, in your copy, in your images, the whole nine yards, that this item is handmade and there's a reason that you're charging more than the Chinese knockoffs or the cheaper the cheaper typed items mm -hmm. that you can 100% sell that to them. A lot of people, shoppers and buyers, a lot of the people who are probably listening to this podcast may not even know that Amazon handmade is a thing because it's still fairly new in the realm of uh, platforms in which to sell handmade items. It's only been around for five years. so. It, knowing that it's out there isn't necessarily something that's going to play into your favor because a lot of people don't realize it. What you do is you get to show up inside of the Amazon.com search results or the Amazon.ca or whatever platform you're shopping on mm. search results and and you get to be found in the mix of maybe some Chinese sellers, maybe some other handmade sellers. But the idea is to rise to the top with all of the other things that you already know how to do by running a successful handmade business. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one of the uh, objections I've heard people make is, I don't want to sell on Amazon because Amazon customers are going to expect me to send their thing yesterday and there's no way that I can have that done. Have you seen your students come up against that issue? It, yes, and, and, and it's definitely something that you have to learn how to overcome. But at the same point, I can tell you that you are allowed to have a production time up to 30 days. And if you sell a, an item that's far superior to some of their options that they can get in two days, they will still wait for it. A lot mm -hmm. of buyers understand that there's a lot of things on Amazon that are not necessarily sitting in a Amazon warehouse with that prime badge on them. So if they are coming and looking for a high quality item, you have to prove to them, again, through the images, through the copy, through everything, that this item is worth waiting for. And they do wait for it. I still have a very large portion of my business that is what's called FBM, which is fulfilled by merchant, which is the equivalent to you fulfilling your orders through Etsy. And they do wait my sometimes up to 10 to 12 day turnaround for those items. Okay, that's really good to hear because, yeah, I'm the same with my business. It's one to two weeks production time. Uh, and, yeah, I, I was always like, well, will will Amazon customers be willing to wait for that or will they just kind of skip over it looking for the faster option because they're kind of trained to look for the fastest option? Yeah, uh, and I think this is a great scenario for me to kind of explain what the faster option is and, mm -hmm. and how it's still an option for you in your handmade business because – you do have the option, even as a handmade seller, to, I hate saying mass produce, but yeah. make multiples of your items. So if you're making one for a customer, you then have the option to maybe turn around and make three more. And you can send those into an Amazon warehouse and with that get the prime badge. So that's where the true scale came for me and the growth mm -hmm. came for me was figuring out how to take maybe some of my items that are in my head I only viewed as customizable and figuring out a way that I could make it generic enough. I hate saying generic again because that's <laughs> not really a handmade term, um, but making it a generic enough that you might be able to hit a couple people who want to buy that item. So, for example, if you have an embroidered T-shirt where you put a unicorn head on it and then normally it's someone purchasing it with the, the little girl's name on it make it with the little girl's name on it, send it out to your customer, but then turn around and while you've got the file up on your computer, make three of those with just the unicorn head on it and mail it into Amazon, into one of their fulfillment centers, and it will have that prime badge. And that's where the sales really start to come in that you can kind of pre-prepare for certain seasons, mm -hmm. especially quarter four going into Christmas. This is where you can get a lot of successes as you've been on it for a certain time frame, usually a year or two, you start to see that FBA is is a huge factor in your ability to kind of scale this business to something bigger than you might have thought it could be. And with that, it comes because you have the ability to maybe in May or June start to prep some items that you know you're going to sell a lot of in quarter four. 
Mm -hmm. So FBA is uh, fulfilled by Amazon and FBM is fulfilled by Merchant? That's correct. Okay, cool. So that's, I mean, that sounds like a good model for those who can, who can do that sort of split and have the reproducible items that are, aren't customizable, you know, and you know what you, when you've been in business a while, you know what your best sellers are. A hundred percent. And I don't, yeah, right. I don't want people to get overwhelmed by thinking that you have to do all of the things on day one of Amazon. <laughs> My goal is just to get people to apply and get a listing up. And at that mm -hmm. point, you just fulfill it like you're used to fulfilling your Etsy orders. Then when you get your feet a little wet and you start to understand the platform a little bit, then you might be able to, to ask questions and delve a little bit into the FBA. But it's important for people to understand because as buyers, they're used to seeing these prime badge and they don't really understand what that means. And so understanding what that means and how it could possibly in the future be something for your business, I think is important to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, I find all this so fascinating. Here in Australia, we've only, Amazon has only sold uh, like things apart from books. Like we've had Amazon for books for, I don't know, 10 years, but they right. only started selling other things like a year ago, maybe two years ago. So I don't really shop on Amazon. It's like I shop on eBay if I want to buy sort of right. that sort of style of thing. So it's really interesting hearing from you in the States. Obviously, you guys have had Amazon uh, for a long, long time. And that whole ecosystem, which they are building here, but it's not such a big thing here either. So let's talk international sales for a minute there. Do you sell internationally or do you just sell in the US? I do not sell internationally because my items are so big. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I was going to make this point <laughs> earlier that you asked why I settled on the item that I did. If I, would th if I could rethink it and go back to that day when I was browsing Pinterest, I probably should have started with jewelry or charms or something much smaller. I would not have myself in a situation where I needed an 18,000 square foot warehouse if I was <laughs> making jewelry. <laughs> so my items don't lend themselves very well to international shipping. But there are um, a lot of people that I counsel through who do sell smaller things that that shipping does not um, pose a problem to them, that that is, is it is a successful business model for them. Mm -hmm. Well, talking about the products for a minute, do you think part of your success has to do with the fact that you aren't selling something like Julie? Like you're selling something quite unique, uh, something that doesn't have quite probably as big a uh, competition as perhaps a jewelry seller has had. Yes. Yes and no. So mm -hmm. yes, I have figured out how to rise to the top inside of my category. But part of that is just doing some of the work that I talked about of studying your SEO and learning these things, getting your photos right, etc. I can tell you that there is one of my colleagues and one of my uh, peers that I work through and have constant Amazon conversations with who is selling well over multi six figures in the jewelry category of Amazon handmade. So mm -hmm while there may be categories that it's kind of harder to overcome because they might be a little more saturated that's the case on etsy that's the case anywhere everything etsy is a saturated market now in general oh, yeah. it's you have to figure out how to to rise above whatever your competition is no matter what category you end up selling in so i, I hate to like tell people oh well i think my my success is because i chose what this to sell i have seen people find success in all of the ways and all of the items you just have to really commit to doing the work mm. yeah i totally agree with that now talking about marketing in general are there any sort of external marketing strategies that you've tried that have worked really well for your business so i am one who tends to stick to using within the platform so mm -hmm. etsy i like to do a lot of research um, on what they're telling me my high search terms are also kind of studying my competitors and then studying what comes up in the Amazon search bar or the Etsy search bar. I'm sorry. Um, and Amazon is the same way. I have become very proficient in ads through Amazon and that's the best and really the only way to get a lot of good search term information. And I am somebody who understands and believes we kind of talked about this earlier that each platform has an SEO that comes into play differently. And so to truly understand what your buyers are looking for on that specific platform and what words they're using to find you on that platform, the best and, and most simple way to find that is to stay on that platform. So it's, it's using the Amazon search bar. It's looking at your competitors listings and seeing if there's words that they're using that you haven't thought of. It's, it's, 
evaluating your ads reports, all of those things. Have I paid for third party services? Yes, but do I find more success out of anything kind of external to each of the platforms? No. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to touch on the user search bar thing because it's such a great tip and I think a lot of people just never think of it. Basically, what Dana's saying is you go to Amazon or go to Etsy and start typing in the search bar your product, like words that would be related to your product and see what comes up for the automated fill-ins. Uh, I believe that's what you're talking about. Yes, where, yeah, the, where so. it basically finishes the long tail keyword for you. Exactly. Rather than you assuming what that long tail keyword should be, let that platform tell you what your buyers are considering to be that long tail keyword. Yeah, because it's showing you what people are typing into that platform. Do this, like I do this on everywhere that like when I'm doing YouTube videos, I, I do this on YouTube search, see what sort of keywords come up, you know, what, what. So that's a really, really good tip. Uh, so looking at the, the, let's talk about the advertising on the platform for a minute. Uh, do you advertise on both Etsy and Amazon? I do. I have a love-hate relationship with the Etsy ads <laughs> um, because I think that's I, pretty common. <laughs> <laughs> because Amazon is so so detailed. Once you kind of master it, and you can really get in there, and and trust me, it's taken me years to get to the point where I can understand the Amazon ads in in and out. But with the Amazon ads, you have basically have the point. You can get to the point where you have full control over. I want to spend this amount of, of click on the exact phrase of this search term. I want to spend a different amount for the broad phrase of this search term, et cetera. So it takes a lot of work to get to that point of saying, okay, well, this one's going to, I'm going to give 20 cents to this. I'm going to give 70 cents to this. I'm going to give a dollar 50 to this, mm. but each of those are an individual line item inside of Amazon with that can come huge control over how much you're spending and where you want to spend it. Etsy gives you none of that. And mm -hmm. so if I was naive and just knowing that Etsy ads are what they are and you just turn them on and off, I probably wouldn't hate them as much as I do. Uh, but knowing that there's other things out there that are better that give me more control over my money, um, I, I definitely don't prefer Etsy ads. I run at this point, uh, most of my Amazon ads run at 10% um, advertising cost of sales or less, mm -hmm. which basically means for every dollar that I make, I'm only spending 10 cents to get that in ads. Etsy, you know, kind of defaults. If you're doing the offsite ads, they're going to default to charging you 15%. And I hardly ever get anything less than 20% of the internal Etsy ads, just mm -hmm. because they, they're taking full control over where they want to put that money and how they want to spend it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I love hearing about the control you can have on Amazon ads. That sounds fantastic. Do you want to learn how to sell more online? I have a free video workshop just for you. It's called the 10 essential keys to successfully sell handmade products online. And it'll take you through the absolute key factors that will help you to unlock the door of successful online selling. To get access to it right now for free, head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash 10. That's createandthrive.com forward slash one zero. Okay, so what are the, are there any other differences that are really important that we haven't covered between those two platforms? Nothing that's crazy big. The other, mm -hmm. the biggest thing um, that people kind of have to get used to, it's not crazy big, but um, is, is knowing that on Amazon, they do require you to answer your messages within 24 hours. So if right. you're somebody who's used, used to uh, just turning your phone off for the weekend, because you're really tired of that Etsy uh, notification sound, you don't really have that option on Amazon. Uh, it's definitely a metric that they hold you to of having your uh, responses within 24 hours. And can you set can you set up some sort of auto reply to do that for you, or can you set your shop to be unavailable for a period of time, like on vacation not, mode, like on Etsy? Not for the messaging, you cannot. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that one of the big things, if you have some big Etsy sellers who are listening to this, one of their biggest complaints inside of Etsy is probably the fact that they don't have admin accounts that you can set up within there. That if mm. you decide you want your VA to set up or help you with your Etsy account, or you want your sister to help you with your Etsy account, they have full knowledge inside of that of how much money you make, how much money you spent, the whole nine yards. Yep. Amazon gives you that ability 
to basically have an admin account where you can give control of certain parts of your shop to someone else. So in the past, I, with my employees, they log in under a different Amazon login so that they can't see my sales data, et cetera, but they have access to my messages. So I can delegate that out if I need to without having someone have full control over my shop. That's excellent. That's a really good thing to know. Uh, yes. Yeah, I wish they could do that. I wish you could do that on Etsy. It would be, it would be great. Fingers crossed eventually, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Etsy's definitely much more set up for being a solo business owner, whereas it sounds like Amazon is much yeah. more set up for a general, like more traditional yeah. business where you have employees that will help you with certain things. And don't get me wrong, like Etsy has, I'm not gonna bite the hand that feeds me. Like mm. it's still an amazing platform. I just now have something else to compare it to that mm -hmm. I have made work for my business and has brought me a tremendous amount of success. But um, yes, there's nuances I love between both of them. So don't get me wrong. This kind of mm -hmm. sounds like an Etsy hate ad, but, but by no <laughs> means um, is it something that, that um, I hate or want mm -hmm. to get off of. It's definitely still a revenue source for me that I love and, and, and working to continually to grow. Um, I just have a little grass is greener on the other side mentality. Would you say, like someone who's a complete beginner, who's never had a shop before, would it be easy for them to start on Etsy or Amazon or is it just about learning the platform? Etsy for sure. Mm -hmm. for, for the biggest reason that Amazon is clunky and hard to figure out a little bit. So, yeah. And they hold you to very strict standards. So when I talked about the application process where, they, um, where it's a juried application and they're going to look at your whole process, that is indicative of how they run their platform in general. So they hold you to very high metrics. You have to ship on time. You have to answer your messages, um, all reflective of what brings them to a platform that brings a lot of the buyers because the buyers come because they know that they're holding their sellers to high standards. Mm -hmm. Etsy doesn't necessarily approach it that same way. And with that means it's a little easier as a beginner. We all know, you and I both know, starting out your business, there's things you have to figure out. Oh my goodness, I could not get my supplies. Now I've got to send my, these orders out five days late. Mm. That's definitely an easier thing to learn and navigate through inside of Etsy because it doesn't necessarily mean uh, that your shop is at risk on day one. Right. So it's, it's something that I usually tell people, if you're working through trying to figure out your brand and your packaging and um, your supply resource and, and all of those things that basically come with being a baby business, use Etsy to kind of figure out those, those tweaks and changes and uh, going through those steps of really doing the work in the front end. Because if you don't have SEO, if you don't have an understanding of SEO and photos and um, packaging, like I said, and, and making sure that your supplies aren't going to run out, run out and that you can't fulfill those orders, mm. Amazon's not a platform that's very forgiving in that. So kind of work those kinks out. And then when you got your feet underneath you and you're like, okay, yes, I really kind of feel like I know where I'm going with this. I feel like I'm now ready to grow further. That's usually at the point where I'm entertaining conversations with people, encouraging them to go into this platform. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Uh, yeah, I, I also recommend Etsy for beginners just because it is quite forgiving and easy to get started with yes. uh, and quite affordable as well. What are the fee differentials like between the two platforms? So this is an interesting one. They normally charge a $40 fee to have a, what's called a professional selling account, which is what you have to have to be in the handmade category. Uh, but they very quickly realized that, that, that originally when they opened in October of 2015, they waived that fee. And then it, they got to the end of 2016 and they said, oh, we're gonna waive it for 2017. And then they got to the end of 2018 and it basically became, we're gonna waive it indefinitely. Yeah. Because they realized that it was a hurdle for trying to pull Etsy sellers in. Etsy sellers don't pay a $40 fee per month. No. So basically from day one, well, I've never had to pay that fee. Um, so it's something that while people read, oh, I read that I have to do this. It is something they do turn around and wave. Uh, so it's not a requirement that there's some misconception out there thinking that you do have to pay that fee. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the selling fees go, it's interesting because um, Amazon just charges for most categories, it's just a flat 15%. And a lot of people kind of balk at that, but I, t I urge you to kind of go through and actually figure out what Etsy's charging you mm. per listing and per transaction, because once you add up that 20 cents and then you add up the 
the transaction fee and then you add up the payment processing fee, all of those things together don't make them that far off from Amazon because Amazon's not charging a separate payment processing fee. They are the payment processor. They're not mm -hmm. charging you a listing fee to get these things up. So you literally apply and you get approval to list. You just list away and there's no fees associated with that until you actually sell an item. So for a lot of people, when you turn around and actually compare apples to apples, it's not that far off. And the difference between the two platforms of what it actually comes down to, I tell people all the time, if you're pricing uh, the way you should be pricing in handmade, and I'm sure you've had con these conversations mm -hmm. with your handmade people, oh, yeah. that most handmade artists are not pricing to the extent that they need to be. But if you are pricing at a, at a level that is worth what you are making, that difference of that small percentage between the apples to apples, Etsy to Amazon is not that far off compared to the traffic that you're going to get on a big platform such as Amazon. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. I would agree with that. Uh, you see a lot of people talking about Etsy fees at, oh, it's so expensive. Look, business costs money. <laughs> you uh -huh. can't just get everything for free. <laughs> yes. And it's just about making sure that you calculate those fees into your pricing. It's very important to do that. So. And a lot of handmade artists, they literally start out from a place of, oh, well, I just went to my craft store and bought these items and they cost me $5. So great. I'll sell it for 10. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you start at 10. What's going to happen when you, when you have to start paying for all of the other things that a business entails? So $10 is not it. It's not enough and it's not worth it. And your time's not worth it. And your item is worth way more than that. So uh, but that's a whole nother conversation. I it is. It is. We could do a whole <laughs> podcast series on that for sure. All right. So are there some other tips uh, that we haven't touched on about how to find success on the Amazon handmade platform that you could share with everyone? Just understand that it's, it's a day to day. This is, this is a tip as far as Amazon. It's a tip as far as business. It's a tip as far as Etsy that you're not going to have it all figured out on day one. And so while something may feel overwhelming, there are certain parts of my business that felt overwhelming that had nothing to do with Amazon. It was the overwhelm of, hiring employees or figuring out how to purchase a new warehouse. So mm. it's literally just taking a step each day in a direction that you want your business to go. And so it doesn't mean that every listing is going to go up perfect. It doesn't mean that you have to have it all figured out before uh, you jump into these. It's a figure it out as you go and each day you commit to uh, moving forward in a better direction. Absolutely. I love that. So these days, what, what does a kind of typical day or typical week look like in your life these days? It's interesting that I've gotten myself to this place because I've worked really, really hard to be here that I actually do have similar to a nine to five job. Mm -hmm. Now, do I log in on Sunday nights and have to do some work just because no one else, it's no one else's job to do that? Yes. <laughs> but some of that's, that will never go away. And I don't want it to ever go away. I'm not mm -hmm. someone who's just going to check out and not answer my messages as if, if it comes in at 7pm and I'm sitting there doing nothing. But I've gotten now back to the point where family time can actually have family time and that schedule can actually be created. There were many years inside of my handmade business, especially when I was running the business and working the full-time job inside of a corporate environment, that that was really, really a struggle. So I've finally gotten myself back to a place where the day kind of looks a little more like what you would expect a normal job to look like. That being said, it took a lot, a lot of work and a lot of delegation to get here. The thing that kind of gives people a big eye opener though, is when I tell you that inside of my day, that what that might be that nine to five or that nine to four, or some days it's nine to 12. Um, I literally am not putting my hands on these items and I'm not the one who's actually creating them anymore because mm -hmm. I got to the point that if I'm going to get to this level of success, I have to get out of my business and I have to start working on it rather than in it. Mm -hmm. So you're the CEO now, not the production I am. person. That's right. <laughs> was For you, was that always a goal to get to that point, to kind of take that step back, or is it just something that evolved when you saw the business growing? On day one, 100% no. Like it was literally just to try to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. Even at the point where when I was kind of hiring people and we were doing this on the side, no, that was never really the goal. When I got to the point of quitting my, my corporate job and actually figuring out what is my new day to day look like that, that transition between quitting and, and evolving into this, 
that first six months was a real struggle. And I've talked to several people about this in the last couple of weeks that mm. you have a whole mind shift of a mindset shift of going from, I'm literally doing what I can to keep afloat because I only have so much time in the day to, okay, I actually have this much time to put in my business. If I'm going to make something of this and make it something that was worth having quit my job, I have to figure out what that looks like. And for me, that was kind of stepping back and going, well, maybe eventually it looks like hiring out all these things because I, I don't need to be making them anymore. I need to be teaching people how to make them so mm -hmm. that I can view the bigger and better goals. So it was definitely an evolution that took a lot of soul searching and really reevaluating what my business looks like. So again, back to the, what does five years from now look like? Mm -hmm. um, the ideal situation might be where I just work 10 hours a week. Is that realistic? I have no clue, but if you would have told me that this is where I would be at uh, five years ago, uh, I wouldn't have believed that either. So um, it's a constant evolution of evaluating what you want it to be. Not everyone's goal is to literally run CEO of a multi seven figure handmade business. Like mm -hmm. if, if your goal is just to pay your daycare bill, more power to you. You get to that point and that's where you want to stop and sustain. I, I will 110 support 110% support that as well. Mm -hmm, definitely. Now, now that the fact that you have uh, a warehouse employees, just a handmade business in general, I'm curious as to how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected your business or has it affected it? What's been the impact of that? Uh, it, I probably have the same answer as a lot of your e-commerce sellers that mm -hmm. it has done nothing but crazy, insane growth mm -hmm. um, that with with it came struggles <laughs> of making sure that I had employees to actually fulfill these things. And mm -hmm. we went from mid-March of not knowing if I was going to have a job for these people come a couple weeks later to everyone kind of settling into this is what's actually going to happen in mid-April. And basically it hasn't quit since mid-April of people just figuring out how to shop online. Mm -hmm. And with that, a lot of the traffic has come not only my way, but all of the e-commerce way. So a lot of handmade sellers found tremendous growth inside of 2020. With that comes the growth struggles mm. of figuring out how to make that happen. But monetarily wise, yes, it was a very good um, help for me, but I did have a lot of employee transition. I had a lot of struggles around uh, personal situations that changed somewhat related to COVID-19, some not. It was a very, very difficult year inside of growth inside of my business and me as learning how to manage people. So I've mm -hmm. now gotten to a different place where um, the people that are with me um, are settled into the fact that we are in this warehouse wearing masks and, and, and this is what it's going to be probably for the, for the short term future here. Mm. And what do we do to work around that and still make it happen because the orders are still coming in and we have to get them fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear you come to a good point. <laughs> I think it was a very difficult time for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. There was a lot of tears in 2020 for lots of reasons. So yes, <laughs> hopefully this year it will look up for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Dana, this has been fantastic. Um, do you have any final words of wisdom for just handmade business owners in general? Any sort of like the most important thing you've learned over this journey that you would like to impart? I think it's important for people to kind of what I call stay in your lane. So mm -hmm. while you hear my story and my story may either be inspiring to you or my story may be intimidating to you, let it be just what it is. Okay. So if it inspires you, great, but if it intimidates you and makes you get paralysis from, oh my gosh, I don't know how I could ever get there. Stop worrying about me. Stop worrying mm -hmm. about your competitor. Stop worrying about anybody else who is coming alongside of you and that you're looking at them and you're dwelling on what they're doing or how they've gotten to their success because your success is only what you choose to make it and what you focus on. And so again, if you're, if your goal is not to be seven figures, then my story, maybe you heard it and you write it off and, and it's not something that you dwell on because it's not something that's going to bring you to a, men a healthy mental place. Mm -hmm. If you have someone that is a lot of people, especially starting out in the first couple of years, really, really dwell on their competitors. I had other people that I watched that I was like, oh my goodness, they're making this design. It's really similar to mine. Or, oh my goodness, they got their Christmas stuff up way before I did. Now I'm really awful at what I'm doing. When I stopped doing that and comparing myself to basically anyone else, 
but my own benchmarks, that's where I was really able to focus and figure out what growth meant for me, not for anybody else. I love that. Totally agree. Totally agree. Where can people find your work and more about you? Absolutely. I am at Dana Midkiff Coach on Facebook and Instagram. I am at Dana Midkiff on Clubhouse, which is one of my new amazing favorite platforms. Um, <laughs> I am on there all the time just talking about all things Amazon. So uh, inside of that Facebook page at Dana Midkiff Coach is some information about a Facebook group that I run. That's basically where I'm in day in, day out, helping people grow, helping people come alongside each other and have a community where um, it's not really allowed to just come in there and complain about how your business is doing. It's an action taking, we're going to set goals. We're going to help each other figure out how to overcome these situations mm -hmm. so that we can each constantly watch each other grow day in and day out. So um, that's, that's where if you want to truly have conversations with me at this point, it's either inside that Facebook group or it's on clubhouse. Awesome. And where can people go to stalk your Amazon shop? It's going to be pink door wreaths on Amazon. If you shop it, I am only on .com as we discussed. Mm -hmm. um, so it would have to be specifically on amazon.com. Awesome. Dana, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. That was fantastic. Such great information for everybody. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I hope you found that useful. Maybe you're inspired to hop on Amazon Handmade and give it a crack. Uh, if so, let me know on Instagram. Hit me up at Create and Thrive. Send me a DM or send me an email jess at careandthrive.com. I'd love to hear from you. I love hearing from listeners and knowing that this show that I'm putting out there into the ether actually is having an impact. It's a weird thing running a podcast. You don't have any real feedback, you know, in real time. You have no idea what people are thinking about the show. And so it's really nice to hear from listeners either directly or via you leaving a rating and review, uh, either on our Facebook page over at uh, facebook.com look for create and thrive or at um, apple podcasts or itunes it would be really really great and i absolutely love seeing those positive reviews uh, of the show and it helps other people find us as well remember if you want to get access to those youtube videos that's youtube.com forward slash jess van den and if you want to get access to that editing workshop and heaps of other workshops head on over to thriver circle thrivercircle.com and huge thanks and shout out to all the members of the thriver circle i couldn't afford to do this podcast without your support so thank you for that i'll be back again soon with another episode take care everyone and bye for now